Hey, this is Sayyam Bhutani and you're listening to Chai Time Data Science, a podcast for data science enthusiasts where I interview practitioners, researchers and cagglers about their journey, experience and talk all things about data science. Welcome to Chai with the great Kaggle Grandmasters, CTDS Thought Show. In this episode, I interview Beluja, the Beluja from Kaggle World, Kaggle Grandmaster and Data Scientist at H2O.ai, Gabor Fodor. Gabor has been one of the top ranked competitions Grandmaster with his rank peaking at 4 worldwide and currently 14. He's been a very active discussions and kernels contributor as well, with both ranks speaking at top 10 and top 20, respectively. Personally, I, I got started in my first competition. I was able to compete in my first competition because of a starter kernel that he created. So this interview really means a lot to me. We, as you expect, dive into his professional journey and his Kaggle journey, how he got started in data science and Kaggle and how he progressed along with his recent gold finish on the Cornell bird call identification competition, where he finished position 10 solo, bringing another gold medal to his profile. We dive into his solution and his approach to the competition. Beluja has been one of the Kaggle legends. Uh, I'm sure anyone from Kaggle world would recognize. If you're not from Kaggle world, you will uh, know after this interview. So without further ado, here's the episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Hi everyone, I'm honored to be talking to someone thanks to whose kernels I, I am sure you know I got started on Kaggle, uh, Gabor Fedor, uh, Kaggle Grandmaster and Data Scientist at H2. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much. So uh, I want to start by asking the first question because many of us have forgotten what traveling used to be like. I read that you had taken a break sometime in your professional career to travel the world. Can you share what that was like for people who have forgotten what the outside world used to be like? Yeah, it, it seems it was ages ago. It was in 2016. And uh, my wife, well, actually my ex-wife right now, but uh, we had the chance to uh, visit uh, 10 different countries in uh, Southeast Asia and Asia for six months. So, yeah, it's quite different uh, from nowadays. So, but it, it was really good uh, from Thailand to Japan, in Indonesia. And this is the first time I, I had a chance to visit Asian countries. So it's completely different from what I used to in Europe. So it was a really good experience. Interesting. Did you visit any country that has any special teas? Uh, did you try any special chai somewhere? Uh, yeah, uh, we, we had visited the tea plantations in, in Malaysia. So yeah, definitely. But uh, l later, uh, last year, it was also before COVID, I had the chance to visit Beijing uh, for a Kaggle days. And uh, right now I'm, I'm drinking a, a white tea, I guess. 
uh, from Beijing. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll, I'll definitely. Try, unfortunately, <laughs> I'll ask for your recommendations after the call for for uh, good places to visit uh, for tea rec- uh, tea plantations. But switching gears to your professional journey, how did you get interested in data science? Uh, was being an outstanding math student the secret to your success on Kaggle? Uh, sorry, could you repeat? Sorry, yes. Uh, so, at what point uh, did you get interested in data science, and uh, was being an outstanding mathematics uh, student the secret to your success? Yeah, uh, it it uh, it helped a bit, but uh, uh, I met uh, Kaggle and data science during uh, my first uh, uh, university uh, master uh, degree, so. I studied mostly theoretical mathematics there and uh, some applied mathematics. And I was looking for a way to shift more into the applied domain because eventually I wanted to get a job. And uh, data science was, at, at that time, actually it was called data mining. So it wasn't that sexy, but uh, it, it was a really good option. Uh, other uh, uh, guys from my class, uh, looked into finance and uh, similar uh, different directions uh, to have uh, uh, something additional uh, to the core mathematics. And uh, at, at that, that time, I guess it, it, my first data mining competition wasn't uh, at Kaggle. It was a, an Australian data mining conference in 2009. Uh, and uh, they created a challenge to ensemble the Netflix uh, submissions and try to improve them. And that was, that was the very first time I, I uh, uh, met with a leaderboard and the experience that you can have an objective uh, evaluation metric uh, for, for a competition. And, and it was a, a really good, good experience. We weren't uh, that good uh, in, in that competition, but uh, from, from that very, very moment, I, I tried to improve myself. Interesting. Uh- at what point did you discover Kaggle? You've been active on the platform for, I think, eight, nine years now. How did you get addicted to it? Yeah, I guess it, it's not, not nine years ago. Uh, so again, for, for, for university projects, uh, it was difficult to uh, find useful data sets. And uh, uh, I, I noticed the, the, that time that uh, Kaggle and, and a few uh, similar platform uh, or, uh, provided uh, data mining uh, challenges and uh, competitions. And it was a really good uh, way to learn new techniques, apply the techniques I learned at, at the university and t- try to compare them and benchmark them against uh, other people. And uh, o- also, uh, during during the this semester, I, I, at least I, I could uh, uh, do something uh, interesting and uh, closer to the real world. I, I would say I, I, now now I know that uh, even a Kaggle competition could be quite uh, different from a real world. But as a university <laughs> student, it it was much much closer. Uh- how was the initial uh, learning curve for you? Because uh, at least I, I, I must have been a must, much worse student. But when I started on Kaggle, there was this huge gap between what I was learning at university versus what was going on on Kaggle. How was the curve for you? It, it was the same, uh, actually. So first, I, I had to learn uh, programming, at least not a, not in a proper way, but at least to be, be able to write scripts in a, or hacking uh, different solutions. So 
I remember my first uh, Kaggle competition. I used uh, command line uh, lib SVMs hmm. and uh, different graphical user interface tools like RapidMiner or uh, SPSS Clementine at, at that time. And eventually I ensembled them in Excel. So uh, I, I had a very long way to, <laughs> to improve on that workflow. So uh, then, then I started to learn uh, R and uh, later Python, and uh, I sticked with Python. So how did you improve upon uh, this throughout the initial learning? Because you've had some great results even in your first days of competing. Uh, how did you improve upon once uh, you got started? Well, uh, what, what I really like about uh, Kaggle, and it still stands uh, nowadays, that you can learn a lot uh, during the process uh, from the other competitors as well. So the uh, sharing in the, in the forums and discussions, and nowadays in, in, the, in the notebooks, or previously it was called kernels, it's, uh, it's amazing. So uh, still in uh, each and every competition, I, I learn, learn a lot. And uh, it, it was uh, at that, that time as well. So learning from previous uh, competition winners or uh, even learning from other people in the very same competition, but what's working, what's not, uh, helps a lot. Okay. So uh, I have your previous bird identification challenge winning solution open. You, you use Python 2.7. There was NumPy, Panda, SciPy, uh, Wave, Matplotlib, and Scikit-learn involved on a i5, 16 GB RAM, Windows 7 PC. Uh, how was the experience of winning a competition? This was one of your first competitions, if I may, and you had yeah. placed first. Any amazing memories from then? Anything you recall? Yeah, it was a quite different time. So it was 2013. And uh, that competition had uh, 80 participants or 80 teams. So it's completely different than, than what we have nowadays that each and every competition, <laughs> you have thousands of people uh, competing against each other. So it, it was just a summer research competition. And, uh, but it was still, still a very nice problem. They collected uh, audio recordings from an experimental forest in Oregon. And we had to identify bird species uh, in, in the field recordings. And uh, at that time, in 2013, it was uh, the beginning of the, of the deep learning era, I, I, I would say. So AlexNet still existed, but uh, the tools didn't. So uh, a few uh, competitors tried to manually uh, code uh, neural networks in, in CUDA. I, mm -hmm. I remember Maxim Yakov worked at an NVIDIA and uh, I guess he managed to get into the top three, but the competition didn't have that much data. So only a few hundred recordings. So it wasn't sufficient. Uh, and also the tools weren't sufficient at that time for me to try anything similar to that. <laughs> so I, I used a much simpler techniques, which has similar concepts. So template matching or template extracting from the spectrograms and then uh, whenever, uh, like a convolution, but when you find a similar uh, uh, correlation with the uh, template from the bird, then you can use it as a feature. And I, I fed it uh, uh, thousands of, uh, I, fed, I fed random forest models with thousands of similar template matched features. 
and uh, yeah, I still have uh, that machine. <laughs> so. <laughs> that that was a very interesting competition. I was just uh, combing through for my quote unquote research, and I saw there were no notebooks. And then I realized this was back in the day when uh, no notebooks existed. and people had shared their solutions in matlab which is just amazing looking at what's what happens yeah. today on the forums yeah yeah uh, also uh, on github but most of the time the scripts were shared just uh, attached to the discussion uh, in a zip post. file <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so uh, another very interesting thing i learned from your profile uh, you've competed 88% solo uh, across all competitions why do, why do you prefer competing solo over in a team i i i don't know or i i don't have a direct uh, answer but uh, i have probably many many different reasons why why, why it could have happened so uh, first probably is that it's easier for me to for time management uh, purposes and also for the learning aspect to do it on my own and and it forces me to to have to figure out every every details and and have to implement each and every stuff during the competition but on the other hand i i also enjoy competing in teams so it happened a few times actually right now i'm also participating in the lift competition but we are in the top 10 but actually i i haven't done anything so all, all the work right, right now is, is is basically peter's work he he has uh, spent spent uh, almost two months right now in in the competition so it's also a bit of pressure to me that uh, now i have to catch up and uh, once you uh, team up with others you can't really quit the competition so you have mm. to go uh, for the for the very very end and uh, push it so i guess it's also uh, it gives you some freedom if if you compete solo um many many people are afraid to jump uh, as beginners uh, solo in a competition you you started uh, competing solo as well uh, in my research that's one thing i i found a- any tips for working solo because many people hit a wall they can't find more ideas and give up midway well uh yeah it 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 happens uh, from 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 time time to time and, and you can't win every competition and you can't even uh beat uh the silver or, or especially the gold in every competition <laughs> so you have to accept that so uh usually i uh i i like like to have simpler goals than um, top top finishes or 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 gold medals so for example uh, the last uh, bird competition i, I used it uh, to learn pytorch and uh, or at least uh, have some practice with with pytorch I, i would say so e- even even if you uh, don't have the time or 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 the skills to be be top in in the competition you, you still can have a meaningful uh, experience or or uh, you can learn a lot during the competition so I wouldn't say that it should intimidate you. Um so uh one, one other thing I learned was uh you started authoring a lot of kernels as well throughout your journey you've enjoyed sharing what's 
what's your process of uh, creating these kernels well it it, it depends so i i, ha- I have a completely different uh, type of type of type of kernel so my probably the, the most popular ones are uh, benchmark solutions or or, or tutorial like uh, kernels and uh, they require a completely different approach so if if you want to uh, create a good uh, um, competition submission uh, like a notebook then probably you have to start uh, in, in, at the very, very beginning of the competition and uh, you have to provide a good leaderboard score for others uh, to uh, get some publicity and from from that point you, you uh, probably should uh, improve uh, in in uh, small iterations and uh, m- maybe improve the visualizations and uh, write more description to also gain uh, a bit more publicity but but i also like uh, simpler uh, notebooks i have a few with just a joke and the I gaggle think, one <laughs> yeah how to draw draw an all it's it's basically just a meme and it's <laughs> got the gold medal so yeah that that's the, the other way i also like uh, meta crackle mm. uh, like analysis when during the competition or if you have a series of competitions you you um, could analyze the other competitors uh, behavior or or data how, how do they team up how do they progress against the leaderboard some of that stuff sure uh, the the reason i was turning around was i just wanted to look at your kaggle profile i have it open here and for the audience just want to point out that when you were active your rank peaked in uh, at 7 in the notebooks and you just three medals away from becoming a grandmaster there also it I, i'm sure it just peaks or uh, how much the community loves your notebooks thanks do you have uh, any favorite memories I-, i like to call it battle stories any favorite battle stories from any competition or uh, from authoring any kernels for any competition yeah i ha- i have quite a few uh, i i think one of the the, the f- favorites was the uh, cancer screening competition it was actually a closed one so it, uh At, at that time, uh, Kaggle had uh, masters-only competitions or limited competitions. It, it was an invitation-only experiments. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think they uh, still have uh, them nowadays. But uh, we, we were in a team of five, and uh, eventually we, we managed to get in, in, into the top four. And in, it also uh, meant that uh, we had an invitation to San Francisco, and. Uh, it was the first time that i had the chance to meet uh, in real life with with my teammates with ash with abishak and also with the other uh, participants gilberto so it was a really good uh, uh, memory uh, to visit the kaggle office and meet uh, this at that time it was quite a small team i i guess they are a bit larger now uh, since the google acquisition but may, maybe they had a dozen people in, in the office so it is it was amazing how how, how they could uh, manage i am sure just want to drop a self plug that uh, i've interviewed all of those teammates apart from ash hopefully ash as well soon so if you'd like to check those interviews out please do yeah, um, cool. so uh, 
I would love to dive into the Conal Bird competition. Uh, that's the title uh, of the competition, Conal Bird identification. Uh, can you help us set the stage for what the problem statement was, and also congratulations on another solo gold on the tenth position? Yeah. Uh, so it was a similar competition uh, for the other uh, bird classification. So again, uh, the test set was uh, collected in uh, forests in as field recordings. But uh, the twist was that uh, the training set was a different kind of uh, uh, audio recordings. So lots of people like birds and they uh, like to spend their free time uh, recording bird songs. So, and they also like to uh, share them uh, with each other. And there are uh, a few sites uh, like Sino Canto, which uh, makes uh, it easier to collaborate on, on, on bird songs. You can share your recordings. You can uh, then ask in the forums uh, if you are not sure which bird was in, in the recording. So uh, it's basically a, a way uh, to collect the ground truth uh, data for bird song rec recognition. But uh, in, in those kind of uh, recordings, usually there is a main, main single uh, bird species. And uh, in the test set, uh, it, it's not, not necessary to, so it's like a multi-label, multi-class uh, problem. So we had to predict for each five uh, second segment of the test recording, what birds are in it. It, it could be that there isn't any, but uh, there, there could be multiple different uh, species or multiple different uh, birds from the same species singing uh, at the, at the same time. So it's it's a much more challenging uh, uh, setup than uh, just uh, identifying the, the main bird from the original training recording. Interesting. And, and that, that, that was the, the, also the, the, this twist that uh, made me uh, interested in the, in the competition besides that uh, I really like uh, uh, problems where it's not that much business-driven problem. So usually at my work, I ha have to deal with the uh, business-driven <laughs> problems. And it was always the case. And from time to time, I, I like uh, these fun projects. So the goal was to identify songs uh, of using audio files, the bird species that is singing the song out in the wild with noise. The leaderboard was stuck for, for a point uh, for a score for a long time. Why, why was this such a challenging problem? Why were Kaglis not able to just crack the leaderboard? Yeah, uh, the, the baseline that when you predict uh, there isn't any call or any, any bird in, in, in the uh, file had quite a high, high uh, F1 score because uh, roughly 30% of, of the time or, or the segments didn't have uh, annotated uh, bird calls. So, so actually, that's a really good benchmark. Just saying, there is there is no no bird at all. And to improve on that, you need a classifier which can uh, identify bird uh, songs in, in each segment with at least fifty percent uh, accuracy uh, for that prediction. Otherwise, you will actually lose uh, from the uh, benchmark. Mm. So. It, so with, with a different uh, loss metric, I, I guess it, it wouldn't be that that uh, difficult. But uh, since you had had to actually predict the, the exact class, not not the probability of, of the bird, when you had an error, it, it could uh, hurt uh, your score. 
and also the the very different uh, training and test set distribution. They had completely different uh, noise signal to noise ratio. It, it also made challenging to make a meaningful progression. So even even at the end, the best submissions had maybe twenty uh, percent or or thirty percent of 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 the bird songs uh, correctly, which okay. is still challenging to guess the other seventy percent, I guess. So uh, I guess this competition is an outlier, but generally, I also love to understand how the best cagglers experiment. How do they approach problems? What what was your uh experimentation setup your go to steps when you joined uh, this competition uh, do, do you have a framework in place i've learned that uh, many cagglers have this private repo from which they start and uh, build on top of that uh, yeah I, i i have some some kind of framework probably it uh, could be improved but but i i like to use a separate python virtual environments for different competitions separate uh, gitlab repos sometimes I, i i use a trello board for cards and ideas and, and and stuff like that but i'm not super organized so uh probably it, it could could be improved but um, for for this competition uh outside of kaggle actually uh, they have a similar uh, bird song recognition competitions every year so they had uh, the d case uh, was to differentiate noise and bird songs in general so it's like a binary classification problem in 2018 and they have uh, the bird clf uh, competitions series each year and uh, they also published quite a lot of good papers about uh, those competitions which had similar setup uh, they actually use the same uh, training set for, from xino canto uh, sometimes they use the also the same uh, uh, kind of uh, mono recordings for the test set but uh, they they also had some uh, field recording uh, test set uh, experiences as well so it was good, good to uh, review the techniques and of course uh, these competitions uh, are always uh, won by some kind of deep learning uh, convolutional network on the image spectrogram but uh, different uh, participants had uh, creative ideas how to augment the the original files or or different uh, architecture so it it was really good to go s- through the literature and uh, collect ideas from them in general how, how do you find ideas uh, to add to your solution or while just experimenting how do you find these ideas uh, yeah as i mentioned i i like like to uh, search for articles but um, also i i value the uh, notebooks and uh, the kaggle discussion forum uh, a lot so f- for me if if i see a, a, an interesting paper but without code then probably i won't start from scratch uh, implementing <laughs> that in python because my goal was to actually learn a bit of pytorch but <laughs> not the whole, whole stuff so uh, when uh, hidehisha uh, shared his uh, his benchmark which was uh, the 
a bit better than the baseline, no, no, no call benchmark, but uh, it was really difficult to improve on that. Then, then I, I learned that uh, there is another paper, the pre-trained uh, audio neural networks uh, repository, which actually had code and uh, also they shared uh, the pre-trained uh, weights for, for their network. So it was a really, really good uh, and easy way to start. Otherwise, I probably uh, would have way, way, way uh, worse results in, in the end of the competition. Okay. Um, so you've had amazing results. Definitely, you finished 10th on the leaderboard. It's, it's up in the gold. Uh, it's actually a few positions up below the gold line. Uh, for people that understand the rankings, it the gold zone increases based on the number of competitors. So congratulations again on that. I'd love to dive into your solution. Uh, I've, I've read it and maybe I'd just start by going into different parts. Please feel free to uh, follow any path as you see best. You initially tried looking at bird species uh, while just experimenting. How, how is this helpful? Eventually, it wasn't that helpful, but uh, I uh, expected it to have uh, much, much more uh, benefit because uh, we had to predict more than 250 different uh, bird uh, species. And uh, we only, only knew that uh, the recordings were taken somewhere in North America in three different locations. And uh, I wanted to figure it out a bit more about these locations because uh, usually the West Coast and the East Coast uh, had different uh, bird uh, species distribution. So there are some, some, a few birds that are common in the West, but not in the East. Also, there are migrating birds. And in general, there are uh, much more common uh, birds. And, and using this uh, additional knowledge, which isn't necessarily represented in the training set, it could help uh, the models to exclude uh, different uh, species, which is quite unlikely uh, to be in the test set. For, for example, the white-crowned uh, sparrow was uh, just using that si uh, si single bird for a submission would place uh, you 10%. Uh, it's still uh, way worse than the local benchmark because mm -hmm. It's not that common, but uh, I was able to reduce the mm, number of bird species to maybe a dozen. And that was able to uh, capture 70 or 80% of the uh, total bird uh, songs. But uh, it, it could help uh, if you focus on the, on the more common birds, but eventually it didn't uh, help that much. I, I use them in, uh, for different ensemble models. I used higher weights uh, or higher uh, number of recordings for more common birds, but it uh, wasn't as, as successful as I expected it to be. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and I, I guess this was also because there was some slight class imbalance in this competition, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and even in the, in b between the public and the private set, it, it uh, also had some uh, class imbalance. So there were birds um, which were only in, in the private, but not in the public. So it, it was also tricky. Makes sense. Uh, in your solution, as I'm reading it, after that, you shared the data preparation. So would love to dive into that as well. Uh, 
it says you had resampled everything to 32 kilohertz and broken them into chunks why was this required and uh, other steps that you performed yeah we we knew that the test set uh, had had the same sampling rate while the uh, training set had different uh, uh, sampling rates because different people recorded different uh, uh, different uh, microphones and and maybe phones either so they had di- different quality also the uh, the sampling rate uh, affects uh, how large frequency you can uh, capture in the spectrogram so for example the the previous uh, mlsp competition had uh, 16 kilohertz uh, recordings then then you c- cannot go above uh, 8 Uh, kilohertz in in the in the spectrogram mm. and, and resampling doesn't help that but uh, at, at at least uh, uh, it uh, allows you to have similar uh, frequencies for the the better quality uh, spectrograms also uh, resampling everything and because the recordings were in a mp3 format uh, compressing or uncompressing them decompressing them uh, into numpy arrays uh, took a bit more disk size but it uh, resulted in a faster uh, data loaders so it improved the training uh, process makes sense uh, it's it's also somewhat counterintuitive that i would expect as as you increase the sample size it, it should by default uh, help the model in general but that wasn't the case uh it's it's hard hard to or difficult to tell uh what uh, have the and and what what not because uh e- even at the end end of the competition as i mentioned uh mo- most of the the top results still wasn't able to capture uh most of the bird uh, signals in in the recordings so as as the uh, training and test set had uh, quite different uh, distributions and uh, quite different uh, signal to noise ratio it wasn't necessary better to to use all the different species and all the different uh, recordings so i i, I tried to focus on, on the most uh, common birds and also the the best uh, rating rec- best rated recordings uh and i i was uh, pretty interested in this one uh, you, i'm i'm just going through step by step in your write up so for the audience please feel free to check that out as well from the show notes the link is there uh can you even add augmentation and you did add augmentation so that that was interesting uh, how, how do you augment sound data and what augmentations did you use Uh, well uh, i all on, only used the uh, noise ad- additional noise uh, augmentation but uh, mario lasek uh, had uh, a quite a good paper uh, from the last year uh, birdslaf uh, competition so he, he he won that and he used all sorts of different uh, time domain and frequency domain augmentation so i i would recommend anyone to read that paper because it has much more uh, and much better ideas than than i was able to implement but the general idea is that uh, 
since the training data set is too clean and they are fo focusing on uh, on the main uh, uh, bird uh, species in, in, in the recording, adding some noise uh, like wind or rain or uh, other animal sounds like uh, insects or frogs uh, could help uh, the, the model to generalize in the unseen test environment where anything uh, could happen. So, so I, I tried to collect uh, external data. There are quite a, a lot of uh, noise and bird uh, separation recordings from previous challenges and uh, use the noise parts to uh, just add to the original uh, signal. And then uh, it, get, it add, also adds uh, some noise uh, to the spectrogram later. So different frequencies, it uh, can be blurred or, or uh, can we even uh, hit uh, them thanks to, to that noise? There are also mix-up techniques. Uh, I, I made some experiments with them, and the usual. Uh, Sorry, uh, th this is mix-up for audio. Are, are, are you referring to converting to spectrogram and then mixing up? Uh, rather, mix-up for the image, so for the okay. spectrogram. Okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah. And I, I, I remember there, there were interesting data sets also being shared uh, in this competition. I remember Vopani had had posted the complete XC data set on Kaggle itself. Yeah, I, I, I use I use that. It, it helped a lot. Uh, it basically doubled the training size. So uh, would love to know the final uh, model and the blending that was helpful in getting you to the 10th position. If you could give an overview for that and for the people that want more de depth can also read the discussion again as a reminder in the show notes. Well, uh, I made quite a few experiments from the beginning with, with uh, converting the spectrogram on the CPU and then loading it to the CNN on, on a GPU for ResNet 50 and, and uh, simpler models. But eventually uh, I stick with uh, the pre-trained audio network framework. It has a few, uh, a bit different architecture than what we used to for uh, ImageNet. So it has CNN 14 and, but the, the idea is, is the same. So we ha have lots of convolutional layers on, on the uh, spectrogram. The ad, uh, additional benefit was that uh, it used the Torch uh, Librosa package, and that way uh, you had to, you, you could use the input audio file and uh, let the GPU uh, convert the spectrogram as, as well. So it, it also made the, the data loader uh, faster. So you have the input audio signal uh, in five second chunks. You have the labels. Uh, what bird uh, is in uh, that that label? You can add uh, different uh, bird species, and you can mix up different uh, audio samples. You can add noise and then feed the convolutional network. So that that was the the, the basic idea. I tried to uh, make a few experiments to improve the original architecture, but the only only thing uh, it, uh, it was helpful to increase the frequency beans to, from 64 to 128. Uh, the other experiments uh, failed after a day or so. So it, it was also 
uh, tricky because I don't have GPU. So I had to rent it from the cloud and uh, the iteration cycle for experiments was uh, a bit uh, short, a bit longer than I uh, used to, or at least what I would prefer. Okay. Um, so after the competition ended up, it, it was a challenging competition. Uh, did you learn any new tricks or any new ideas after going through the discussions and any things that would have pushed you to the top? Because this is also a common theme that that one little trick could have really boosted your position. Was, was there anything at all like so? Uh, probably better uh, noise augmentation would help. So uh, I only use the natural noises from different uh, recordings, but uh, others uh, had better experiments with the uh, artificial generated noise, pink noise, brown noise. So I didn't try it. Uh, after the competition, usually I, I drop the topic after the competition so, <laughs> and I jump to, the, to, the, to a new competition or, or to a different problem, but uh, probably uh, that's how. Okay. Congratulations again on the 10th position finish. Uh, so uh, this is my favorite question as well for the best Kaglers, which is how has Kaggle helped you in your professional journey? I read that both almost started in parallel and you've worked across similar problems on and off Kaggle, uh, churn prediction, forecasting problems, image related problems, uh, social media related problems in data science. Was, was Kaggle helpful in any uh, part of this journey? Definitely. And uh, I think in both ways. So uh, also for the interviews or how to get the job, it's usually uh, it's a good talking point during the interview process and and like any other side project uh, I guess so so that's uh, that's one one for sure and and the other is that uh, during uh, these uh, uh, competitions I could uh, learn a lot and not necessary uh, the same real world kind of knowledge you would require uh, at at a regular data science job but uh, it also teaches you to how to get a, a really good baseline model uh, fast. So usually you, you don't have the time or luxury to improve the fourth uh, decimal uh, in your day job <laughs> for, for your model. But uh, on, on the other hand, uh, before you even start uh, thinking about the problem, you, you have probably uh, quite a few idea and, and experience how to get a, a quick baseline solution in, in, a, in a day or so. So in, in that, that sense, I, I guess Kaggle experience also helps in, uh, in, in any, any data science job. Mm -hmm. coming, coming to your current role, uh, which is uh, you're a data scientist at HU, uh, what problems are you working on uh, and what, what challenges are you solving right now? Well, it's a... Uh, uh, yeah, I joined the uh, H2 in August, so it's still a, a lear learning process. So on on uh, one uh, half of the time, I, I would say I'm working on uh, POCs with uh, prospects or uh, existing uh, customers, mostly focusing on the driverless AI, the main product of H2. On the uh, other part, I'm try to uh, create applications with Wave. I guess that's the uh, term now. So, 
And uh, for example, uh, from, from the bird uh, uh, species recognition competition, I created just a fun uh, app uh, where, where you could upload your uh, North American bird recordings, if you have any, and it would try to figure out the uh, species uh, during that recording. But it, it was uh, really just a, a demo application to learn the aspects of Wave, which is similar to Dash or Shiny uh, I, I used before. OK. Um, so for, for the audience, you can check out again Wave from the show notes. Earlier, it was called Q. So if you've heard about Q on the podcast earlier, now, now it's Wave. Um, Coming to the final question, which is also a repeat question, what's your best advice to someone who's uh, just starting out uh, in their data science journey? Uh, I think it would be don't afraid uh, to start. So uh, the worst thing that, that could happen is that you learn a lot. So uh, <laughs> even if, if you can't uh, beat immediately the, the the top of, of the leaderboard, then then uh, you will learn a lot during during the process. So, I guess uh, having uh, uh, strict goals and maybe uh, additional uh, time management, which I could have done also better, <laughs> would, would be my, my advice. So, so if if you have uh, strict goals and uh, because it it, it can. Uh, be quite addictive or uh, quite uh, quite in the beginning you might uh, find that uh, you are spending way too much time on, on Kaggle <laughs> so that, that's another risk but uh, if, if you can manage that I guess you would be fine okay uh, I'd like to debunk one myth that I've had uh, what's the secret to you uh, using the name Beluja on Kaggle which is also the profile picture for you on Kaggle yeah, uh, I get, get that question a lot. So it, it was an internal joke. I, I, I'm not sure how funny is that, but uh, uh, when I worked uh, at uh, Tilinor, uh, Taco company in Hungary, they wanted to assess the company uh, brand image and they hired an external firm to do that. And they uh, came to a conclusion that the company is like a beluga a slow, nice, dummy animal, and they uh, suggested us to be more aggressive, like an orca or a killer bear. So, and we had quite a few jokes uh, at, at that time. So, and and then it, then it stinked. So, okay, uh, I, I was I was always curious about your profile picture. I remember it since my first competition, but. <laughs> Thank you again for joining me on the podcast. And uh, before we end the call for the audience, where can they connect with you or on any platform wherever you're active? Uh, probably uh, Kaggle and, and LinkedIn is, is the easiest. I recently started the Twitter, but I'm not sure how much will I use it, but you could try that as well. Okay, please connect with Gabor on all platforms. Send him a tea emoji so that he knows you coming from Chai Time Data Science. Gabor, thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast and for creating your kernel that got me started on Kaggle. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give it a review or feel free to shoot me a message. You can find all of the social media links in the description. If you like the show, please subscribe and tune in each week to Chai Time Data Science.